Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, uh, I got a great one here. Uh, Dr. Tanasia Crocker is back on the podcast. The last time she was on, we talked about intentional discounting, and we got feedback on the episode, and we get into it. Um, yeah, there was uh, there was some pushback on jumping in and, and sort of the conversation we had about, about discounting services and things like that. And uh, it stuck with me. And I felt like I didn't do that episode necessarily justice in the way we set it up. And there were some disagreements I have with some of the criticism it got. And so I, I talked about that in this episode. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I put it out up front um, and say, you know, some of the criticism didn't agree with. And I'll talk about why. And some of the criticism, I think it's totally valid. And, and that's sort of on me in the way I sort of set our conversation up. And so we talk about that. Guys, ultimately, this becomes a, a life and philosophy conversation. I really love this episode. I talked to Neja a lot about the differences she sees in working for a corporate emergency hospital and also running her own hospital. So she's an independent practice owner. And we talk about sort of what her aspirations are and, and why she why she went into practice ownership and how how she does sort of both of those things and and just philosophically what she's trying to accomplish. And guys, I think it's a beautiful conversation about sort of spectrum of care. I think it's a beautiful conversation about what do you want your career to be, uh, what's important to you as an individual, and just, I, man, I just, I love where this conversation goes. I hope you guys will really enjoy it. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tanasia Crocker. How are you? I am good. I'm here. I'm excited. I made it this time. So thank you for the grace. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, you you are uh, you are amazing. You Okay, so first of all, you say thank you for the grace, and and you shouldn't you shouldn't have to say that because uh, for those who don't know you, you are first of all uh, you're a social media personality. You do a lot of stuff online, and you are an emergency veterinarian at a big uh, corporate emergency practice that most people know, and <laughs> you are a new practice owner as well, and. You have uh, how old? So you have you have one child in kindergarten. I have two. I have the kindergartner and then a fifth grade daughter who is you know eleven going on twenty five. So yes. she's she's great, independent. Yeah, good. To I go. remember. <laughs> I remember my daughter hit eleven and became a twenty two year old. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's. I think that for me that was definitely the age where the the switch flipped. There was eye rolling at dad. Mm -hmm. I was much less cool, uh, mm -hmm. but it was like fake. It was like I'm going to pretend like dad's not cool. But I know he still is. And we're still like, we're tight, but I have to be cool about it when her friends are around. Yeah. When they don't want you to come eat lunch with them anymore at school, that's like, that one hurts a little. But she's like, uh, but I have my, my table with my friends and we need to hang out. That's our hangout time. And I'm like, hangout what? Time. Yeah. yeah. We're like, oh, pardon me. Let's see if I can get on your schedule sometime yeah. in the future. <laughs> your social calendar. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, so that's what I mean. You are you have so many things going on. I appreciate you making time. Um, I always love talking with you. Uh, you and I have have talked, talked many times. <laughs> We've had many adventures together. Yes. I just I think the world of you. Uh, I always love your perspective. We did a podcast a while back on intentional discounting in emergency medicine, and it got uh, it got some feedback. It got mm -hmm. uh, we got in trouble. <laughs> we got yeah. in trouble. We did. Yeah, 
we did. Uh, we got in trouble. And so I wanted to, but I, as someone who just can't leave things alone, is like, I want to, I, I, I sat with this. And so, okay, so we put up this podcast, you and I did it, and it was mm-hmm. on intentional discount. And we talked about, uh, about doing discounts to make things accessible uh, when people come in on emergency. And I, I think there was there was w- there was one thing that I I as the host did not set us up for success, and I did not. I jumped right into discounting and was like, "All right, let's just talk about discounting." And whenever you talk about discounting, you have to talk about the larger framework of helping people get access to care. And I drove us straight into like, "Let's jump right into this thing," and I just didn't set it up very well or very clearly. And people are like, "Oh, Andy's saying." And today's just saying that the first thing we should do is cut our prices uh, when people walk in. And I go, well, I did not mean to imply that, but by by going straight into that conversation, I can see how how I kind of led people to believe that. And so that I want I want to walk back out and sort of lay some of the groundwork that I should have laid the first time, sort of a, a, make this into a larger conversation. But the other thing was I got a I got a significant vocal pushback on one point that that I just don't buy into, and there were some people who just took issue with the concept of discounting and they were like how dare you talk about discounting when we're not paying our staff what they should be making and and i wrestled with that a a little bit for a while but i i don't i don't buy into that criticism i just want to sort of address that up front before we start to lay down the the groundwork because i do think this is really important whenever we start talking about access to care i it's my perspective that yes two things can be true at the same time we can have a situation where support staff don't get paid what they should get paid. And at the same time, refusing to help people get access to care, I believe, will burn people out faster than than not making, you know, 10 cents, you know, a day more, um, it, you know, if, if that was converted into, into, into wages. And so I'm not trying to blow it off or anything. But I think that that was an interesting criticism in that it was it was very much looking at how we provide care as a zero sum game, which means if I if I discount things, if I if I drop the price, if I change how how we deliver care, then that's a loss for the staff. And, you know, and if I want to win for the staff, I have to be inflexible to the pet owners. And I go, I don't think those things are true. And I don't think anybody wants either of those scenarios. I think we all want to find the balance between them. And so I don't know. Let me, you were there. You saw, you saw the conversation. (laughs) I saw it. Do you agree with that? (laughs) No, I agree. One, I would say I was surprised uh, by the criticism and I, I never even had that thought in my head that people would automatically jump to well, you obviously don't pay people enough if you discount. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, reading through the comments, it stemmed through personal experience. It seemed like a lot of these people did work at practices where veterinarians, a lot of times to avoid conflict or not to upset pen owners, just gave a lot of stuff away for free with yeah. no intention behind it and no real understanding of why they were doing it. And they weren't being paid enough. So in their mind, if things were charged appropriately, they would get paid more. And I can see where that would be the perception. Now, I work for a very large corporation that has you know 40 plus locations where as a culture and a team, we have decided that this is something that we want to do. And it does help us overall working in the ER, especially to want to go to work and to help pet owners that we think really deserve the help and pets that we can truly save if we can find a way to work with them. And so I have given this talk a couple of times at conferences since, and I, I think you're right about, I really have to lay the groundwork of 
we already discount. We're just saying, let's bring it into the light, what we're doing. Let's have intention behind what we're doing. And as a team, this is not the doctor deciding. This is as a team, we have decided that we want to help as many pets as possible. And sometimes that means we give something away or we reduce the price on something or we do plan B or C because they can't afford plan A. And I sleep better at night knowing that. And I know that my team does too. So I agree. We had a very short podcast to talk about something that is really a huge issue. And there is a lot of gray areas to it. And so I'm glad we're getting a chance to clarify a little bit. But I work for a corporation that pays extremely well. And we also discount. So you can't say that discounting alone is the reason why people are not paid a livable wage in our profession. Yeah. Well, I think you put your finger on something really important there too, is, you know, you say, well, you know, I feel good about it and my team feels good about it. And I think that that's really, I think that's really important part when we start talking about things like spectrum of care and, and how we're going to get people access if they just can't walk in and stroke a check for, you know, gold standard of care. But I, I think one of the things that I didn't realize earlier in my career is how important it is to have the open conversation with the team. I don't think that's modeled very well. And it's mm-hmm. sort of like, I think I think that the idea of bringing the team together and saying, guys, can we all agree that getting care for people is is important? You know, y- yes or no. And, and, and even starting wider than that and saying, what do you guys enjoy about your job? And I think that people saying, oh, being the hero, really, it, it, it means a lot. You know, I wanna help people. And I, I think if you start out wide and say, okay, we all agree that we want to try to be able to make care happen and that you guys getting paid a good salary is also important. I, I think you can end up doing what a lot of practices already do, which is try to find a healthy balance. But everybody feels like they feel included. They feel heard. They feel yes. like they were there when the decision was made. I think you really put your finger on it when you were like, oh, man, imagine being at a practice and you're not getting paid what you should get paid. And you see the doctors just giving stuff away and you're not involved in this transaction at all. You're there trying to do the gold standard of care to take the history you're supposed to take to help support, provide the best standard of care possible. And with no input, no, not even a, hey, is this kind of, is this okay with you sort of head nod? You're seeing, you're seeing things go out the door and you're going, man, I'm, I'm struggling financially here and I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. And I just, I didn't realize that as a leader how important it was to take the time sometimes just to make sure everybody's on board and how much smoother everything goes if you take the time just to talk it through with the staff. And I do think that, you know, you can go too far to the extreme and be the practice that gives everything away and and that sets you up for failure. Or you can be the practice that never works with, you know, people and you make your team say no all the time and they just get completely raked across the coals because of it. And so there, to me, there's a happy medium, but it is the conversation. And these are businesses. So to me, it's also following up, looking at what are we discounting? And we have these conversations within our business where we say, what are all the doctors discounting? There's kind of an average we expect. Some are a little higher, some are a little lower. But as a hospital, we know this is about what we're going to discount on a monthly basis. Are we still paying the bills? Are we still making it work? Yes, we are. Okay, we're good. And if someone, you know, is not, is is excessive in it, then it's a conversation of why are you giving away so much? Are you avoiding conflict? That's why I see it a lot of times with young vets. They don't want to figure out a way to find a plan B or C. They don't want to have the hard money conversations. It's easier to just say, I'll just discount that. And that's really not the purpose in what I was talking about. I'm talking about doing it 
with intention to either buy a pet time for people to get financial resources or to get an answer so someone can make a decision. And so it's a little different when you look at it as just give it away to avoid conflict versus there's a purpose behind it. That's why it's called intentional discounting. <laughs> I, I do, I do like that, and I think that that's a good as, distinction. I really like how you sum that up into the into the two two rules of buying time so that we can get the resources that we need to do to do the work, and then getting an answer so that we can then again make a plan that mm-hmm. would lead to the ability for the pet owner to actually in, reengage and 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 know how to how to expend their resources. So, talk to me a little bit about your about your practice that you own. And, and, and I'd like to hear a little bit about the different experiences there. So like, so you, we talked last time uh, exclusively about emergency medicine. How does, does, do your thoughts feel different? Do, do they look different between the two practices? Tell me about that. It is extremely different. Uh, and it is mainly because, you know, I work for a 24 seven, you know, high volume emergency hospital where we provide this amazing level of care and we charge for that care. And mm-hmm. we charge, you know, large numbers. And on the other hand, I bought a practice that had been in the community for 35 years. And I am intentionally keeping my prices as low as I can to still pay the bills and pay myself. But we are definitely not the highest in the area uh, because I want to allow people to come there and feel comfortable with the pricing and do what they need to do for their pet. And I always told myself if I owned a a hospital one day, I wanted to make sure that the people that worked there could actually, if they were a client, afford to bring their pets there. I didn't want it to be that we were so high priced that, does that make sense, that they couldn't bring their pets there? And so I have really looked at pricing, looked at margins, looked at inventory. I have been able to give, you know, all my staff members raises since I bought it. Um, we've been able to provide some additional benefits that they didn't have before. So I'm really trying hard to find the balance between making your team feel supported financially, uh, emotionally, but also really serving the community because that is where my heart is, is really serving, educating, and helping as many pets as possible. And as we get further into what some are calling a recession or seeing the economy changes that are coming up, we need to be thinking about this more and more is how are we going to make it work and how are we going to balance it all? So it is extreme, the difference in the estimates that I give at the ER versus my general practice. Uh, but I, I like seeing the different sides of it and also thinking through what makes sense in each setting. And also it gives me a good perspective that you know, when we talk about something, you can't make blanket statements in veterinary medicine because you have such extremes yeah. of where people work and what they deal with. And so that's why, again, I'm glad we're able to talk a little more in depth about something that is not a simple, easy topic in any way, shape or form. If you uh, dream of doing team training with your team, getting your people together, getting them on the same page, talking about uh, how you guys work together in your practice, I'd love to help you. You can check out drandywork.com and check out the store. I have two different team training courses. These are courses for teams to do together to get on the same page and to talk about how you do things. Uh, do things. I have my uh, angry clients course and I have my exam room toolkit course and uh, they are both available and there to come out. All right, guys, let's get back into this episode. 
how, how do you talk to your staff about that? Are they aware that like your emphasis on the community is something that's intentional? Like how did, how did you, how do you introduce that idea to them and say, Hey, cause this is clearly something you care a lot about in, in how you're sort of setting your practice up. Yeah. We have had a lot of discussions about uh, our culture in general. And so uh, I am big on, I know it sounds silly, but like having fun while helping pets. So I want us to enjoy what we do. I want us to feel like we're making a difference, but I want us to help as many people as possible. Uh, I'm really big on the client experience and that includes how we have financial discussions, what options we give people for paying uh, and how we work through those those moments. So we have had quite a few meetings and discussions about that and about the things that we feel like are kind of the foundation of our culture, because I think it starts there. And then since it is a hospital I bought, it's been a experience trying to see who's on board with that and who isn't. And some people have been and some people haven't, and that's okay. But we've had some new team members come in and the people that are there, um, I think have really bought in. And so overall, I think we, we have word of mouth already spreading that we are really trying hard to make a difference in the community and for the pets, but also make sure that we take care of each other. It's checking in. It's just, it's checking in frequently. It's making sure it's not just at a team review. You're asking people, you know, have you bought in? Uh, how are you feeling about things? It is as frequently as I'm up there, it is really talking to people, getting to know them and making sure we're on the same page and making sure the team is comfortable with the culture and the expectations that I've set. I like that. I, I I also agree. It's funny. Um, one of my big takes when people sort of ask me to predict the future is to say, well, the future of vet medicine is fragmentation which means there's going to be a lot of different practices doing things in very different ways. I think that, I think it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the fact that, that some people are really focused on access to care that doesn't take away someone else's dream of having a beautiful, you know, Mayo clinic of vet medicine one day, like those there's space for both of those things and they'll, they'll serve different needs. And so I, I love that you, I love that you have sort of found the niche uh, and, and kind of moved, moved intentionally into it. Is that what you had in mind when you bought a practice? Were you like, I want to buy a practice and, and really approach this accessibility? I did. I, I've worked at practices that were the more expensive practice and definitely offered the quality and the client experience that you would expect for the prices. What I hate is when people charge a ton, but then don't actually, you know, provide what they should be providing for that price. Yeah. I really wanted to make sure that I could take care of the team financially. I could take care of uh, the hospital and that I could set up an experience that worked for the client and the pets. Less so is it about right now me trying to take a ton of money out of this business and trying to make money right now. It's a long game, right? It is building mm -hmm. something I'm proud of, building something that I think will help the younger generations of vets. I see young vets coming in, externs being there, you know, just really helping, I think, the profession as a whole, along with pet owners. And I've always seen it that way. I've always seen it as a place that my kids could run around and they do. I mean, the holidays are coming up and they're going to be up there a lot. And I just, there was a certain feel I wanted. I wear boots and jeans to work half the time. Like there's just a certain feel that I needed to go there and to feel proud of it. And I feel like so far I'm accomplishing it. I still have so much to do, but that was definitely my goal. I never wanted to be the fanciest, uh, shiniest thing on the block. 
Well, that that makes me so happy. I always have this dream of like, I, I just want, whether you're a vet or a vet tech, I want you to have autonomy in your career. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want I want people to be able to kind of decide how do they want to make a difference in the world and then and then to be able to do that. And so I just I just love that you had a clear vision for how you want to make a difference and just and just kind of went after it. Are are there are there challenges that came up that you didn't anticipate as you sort of started to go this way? You already mentioned I thought it was really interesting, you know, um some of the team so we bought the practice and some people got on board and some people did not get on board. That yes. was okay. I would assume that they're not there anymore. Um and just that's but I always say that to people who are at a practice that gets bought as well. It's like see what it is and if it's not your jam then you should go find a place where, you know, where you fit in. And I think that that's, that's a thing that everybody should be comfortable with. Are, are there sort of other challenges that you didn't anticipate? I think that was probably the biggest challenge initially, because in my head, my idea of what a practice would be was so great that anyone would want to work there. Right. And so the idea that someone would say, mm, I don't really like change or I'm not comfortable with that or just not be comfortable with the expectations I had for them. Uh, that was surprising to me. And so I've had to have a lot of heart to hearts with my husband who he helps me in the practice. He has a finance background. So he does a lot of things um, for on that side of it. And, you know, conversations about not everyone has to be on board with your vision and you need to think five years on the road, who is going to help you accomplish what you're looking to do and be okay with that, you know, that shift a little bit into the owner mentality. I think that's been the biggest surprise is as an associate vet, I thought I had it all figured out. I knew exactly what you needed to do to make a practice perfect. So no one ever wanted to leave. So the clients were always happy. So the pets were, you know, had a great experience. And actually doing that as an owner, you learn how much you actually don't know and how difficult it is to achieve all those things at once with so many personalities. So that has been the, the biggest lesson. Like you're I have the idea, but doing it is harder than I thought it would uh, be. You're speaking to my soul. I had, I, had the ex- I had the exact same thoughts early on. It's, I have these things that I'm excited about. I know what's going to be great. I'm so passionate about this. Other people are going to see that this is the best thing and they're going to get on board. And it uh, absolutely rocked me when some people were like, nope, that's not, yep. not what I want. Um, and just, just did not. And I, for a long time, I carried that as a personal failing. And I suspect there's a lot of people out there who do that as well of like, if I was a good leader, if I was a good boss, then, then the staff would a hundred percent be on board Mm -hmm. with what I'm trying to do. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not true. You can be, you can be incredible and, uh, have, you know, values that are contradictory to someone else's or just have things you, that you want that, that the other person does not want. Um, and it's just, uh, it, that has been a thing that I have also sort of worked through in my career. So yeah, I love the, I love that you call that out. And it's just, I love the idea of like having the long view of where are we trying to go and having the patience to say, you know, some people are going to leave and that's okay. And I think that that can feel catastrophic. Did you feel mm-hmm. that way when the first people were sort of like, look, we're really not on board. Was that a dark day? Um, I no. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> nope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> gotcha. No, I can. I've seen it. I've seen it. I don't know if that makes. Yeah. yeah totally I, yeah. makes sense to me. I. I. A hundred percent. It depends on how they communicate. Uh, their their un, unhappiness about the direction. But yeah, I have. I have a hundred percent seen that. I. I tell you. I. For me, it, it, there has been times when people are like, you know what, this is. This is not. This is not where I'm. Where I'm really excited to go, and I'm. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I have my. my I think it's about a 72 hour uh, swing for me. So, the, so mm-hmm. about 72 hours, I'm yeah. like, that's it. This yeah. is the first straw to fall. 
all of them feel this way. Yeah, the whole like place it's, is going to empty out. It's over. <laughs> It'll be me by myself in this building in a week and a half. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I got smarter as I got older. Maybe it's just the fact that I've had that thought many times and it's never actually happened. So now I'm like, oh, I guess I'm probably going to be okay. But yeah. boy, <laughs> first couple of times I was like, that's it. I'm going to, um, good thing I borrowed all this money so I can go live <laughs> in the forest by myself. I um, think my husband knows me and he he always says, I will not have a hypothetical like discussion. Like we are not going to talk about what could maybe possibly happen. And that is like my brain all the time. That's and a good so piece of advice. Yeah. He he told me in the beginning, he said, what's the worst thing that will happen? And we kind of played it out. And he said, the worst thing is we fail and we sell the practice and we're still going to make money because the real estate is worth so much. <laughs> so he was like, failing is not the worst thing. Like we're not going to lose our house. We're not going to, yeah. you know, we have our health, like you're going to enjoy it while you're doing it. But that helped me. So now my worst case scenario is still not like the worst. So he knows yeah. me well and knows how to help me pump me up. But I'm going to call yes. your husband when I have existential yeah, crisis. Cause like, yeah, cause he's, that's exactly what I need to hear is uh, we're not going to have hypothetical conversations. I need to have that conversation with myself uh, because I have <laughs> hypothetical conversations with myself in the shower and I'm like, this is not good. Uh, we we got to stop. So that's awesome <laughs> that I, I love that. I love that perspective. Um, yeah. It was I, the other thing that you just said that I really love and sort of have, have gravitated to in the last couple of years is like the idea that I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing as I'm doing it. And then if, you know, if in the, if in the future, the world doesn't go the way that I think I have already, I have already extracted my joy mm -hmm. as opposed to like this idea of I'm going to work so hard and in X number of years, I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be successful or I will get my payout then. Uh, you know, that that really took a lot of stress off my shoulders as well. It's just going, you know what? Uh, the longer I can go having this job and doing the thing that I love doing, the, the better off I am. And so, you know, the worst case is I don't get to do this thing I'm excited about forever. The best case is um, I just enjoy each day and I keep having those days. And uh, mm -hmm. that's just... That was a that was a mental shift. It took me a long time to get to, but I, I think uh, I think a lot of us put our head down and we're thinking that we're going to be happy in the future, as opposed mm -hmm. to going every year. I get to do the job that I want to do the way I want to do it is a huge success, and I should just take that win and go on and not and not worry about am I going to get to do this forever? Yeah, no. I there's always more, right? There's always like a next thing or a next step, and if you're always thinking that, you don't look at what you have in the moment. So I think that. I've definitely trained my brain a little bit to be like, what do I have in front of me? It is what it is. What do I enjoy? And I lean into that pretty heavy and it has served me well as a veterinarian. So we're not talking about discounting at all, but I love this segment. No, I, I, well, again, I think, well, like I said at the very beginning, I think discounting is a piece of it, right? But it, it right. really is about, I don't know. I, I always love these conversations about what are we trying to build? Yeah. And I, I think that discounting fits in for some people into the model that they want to build. It's, 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 what do you, what do you want to, what do you want to be? And so I, I've gotten to work with literally hundreds of practices in just the last three years. And they're all different in what they want and where they want to go and big corporate groups as well. They have different cultures and they have different aims they want to achieve. And, and I think that that's, I think that's really important. I, I don't know that people stop and really think about that. And it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I think that that whole, like, where are we going? What do we want to be? What is the impact we want to have on the world? 
I, I think that that's still a real part of medicine. I think it's always going to be a part of medicine because I think that that's why most of us do the job. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I just, I, I love talking about these things because I love to see when people have an intentional direction, they lean and say, this is what I want to be. I want to go right over to this little piece of the world and, you know, and I want to, I want to make, make this little yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, I just think that that's awesome. It's fun because I'm in the social media world and I think that, you know, I still have to tell people all the time, that's not my real life. Like my real life is, you know, what I'm doing day to day and what I do in the hospital and what I do with my family. And I share glimpses of that on social media and I try to share good and bad and, you know, things that I've learned, but it's amazing how much is not on there and how much happens in the moment. And I hope people get the joy that I have and and the things that I'm doing, but it's become a lot more to me about just really speaking to the things that I think are important and the things I think could make our profession better as a whole versus, you know, gaining followers and gaining likes. And I think that's also been a good shift for me a little bit as early on, I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But real life is so much more important and you get great connections through social media. I love the networking and the support and the community that I built, but real life is still where it's at and your day-to-day still where it's at. Well, I think that's one of the things I always really loved about you, specifically in what in what you do. I, I think that there's danger in social media of, of it all being performative, you know, and I've seen that, uh, you know, in I mean, started in social media doing in 2008, and, it, and it's been great for me. Like, it's where my career came from and how people got to know me originally, and, and that's that's been wonderful. And there's, there's sort of two types of people, I think, that are out doing things in social. Um, there's the people who are... Um, who are sort of waving their hands and living online. And then there's the people who are actually impacting the world and talking about it on social. And I think that you're definitely in the, in the second category, which is like you, you have thoughts and, and feelings and you're doing the work in the world, which then, you know, which then you can sort of talk about and you give glimpses to. But anyway, I just, I think that there's a depth to that, that that's really important. And so, I don't know, I, that's why I always love our conversations is that, you know, we can talk about, about uh, communications and media and social media and things like that. And at the same time, you're also working in not one, but two practices that are very different and you're clearly working towards an objective. And I just, I think that's really refreshing. I just, I love what you're doing, Tanasia, and I, uh, I'm cheering for you. I appreciate that. So you don't think I'm Crocker controversy today. <laughs> I, you know, we'll, we'll wait we'll and see. see. Uh, we'll wait and see. But never know. I, you, never, you never know, but no. Uh, Tanisha Crocker, where can people find you online? Tell me about your socials. So you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. Basically, just look up Dr. Tanisha Crocker. My name is uh, very distinct, <laughs> so yeah, it's I'll, easy to find. <laughs> you can see it in the show notes. You uh, can see it there. Yeah, so I'll, I will link up to everything on that. Um, Thanks so much for being here. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. Bye. And that's it, guys. That's what I got. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, as always, uh, you if you if you liked it, the best thing, you nicest thing you can do is leave me an honest review where you get your podcast, tell your friends, things like that. But, um, but anyway, guys, that's, that's all I got. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Talk to you later. Bye.